Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education and hosted by Dr. Beverly Wright. Emory Continuing Education offers many certificate programs related to the practical application of machine learning, data science, advanced Python and Tableau, and other analytics tools and methods. These applied programs leverage experienced executives, academics, and practitioners with advanced degrees to deliver these Saturday courses typically taught in around 10 weeks. Learn more about the emerging technology programs at Emory Continuing Education to help boost your career advancement at ece.emory.edu. I hope you enjoy this episode of Tag Data Talk. Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and welcome to Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have Jason Schlachter, and we're talking about landing a career in the AI field. Thanks for being with us, Jason. Yeah, thank you for having me, Beverly. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, let's start off with uh, a little bit about your background. Tell us, why are you so cool? <laughs> why, do you, why do you presuppose? Uh, <laughs> um, well, I, okay, so I'll try to answer that question uh, half, half seriously. I mean, I, I get to, uh, to, to, to direct and, and prioritize um, research for, you know, a Fortune 20-something company. And, um, and that's a really amazing thing to do because, I mean, we've got incredible talent. Um, the, the digital team is literally hundreds of people, you know, and, and having that amount of people and that amount of funding to, to drive change um, to, to tens of millions of Americans is, is just an incredible responsibility and humbling, but also extremely exciting. Um, Very and, nice. Uh, what makes me, what makes me cool. So I, I came into this field from also a, a military and intelligence background um, where I spent a lot of my career. So it always sort of has this air of mystery that is probably way more than it should be. So that's, that's, that's sort of like the, very cool. And weren't you at a, you were at CPG companies before or technology companies, like a little bit more on your back. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, right. So, um, yeah. So before my current company, and I apologize for being vague, uh, no, I it's just, okay. uh, speaking, speaking unofficially here, that's why I'm not naming my current role, current job. Uh, but before uh, my current role, I was at Stanley Black and Decker. Um, I was a senior program manager for, uh, our AI and IOT centers of excellence. And so, no, that was incredible because, I mean, look at Stanley. A lot of people don't realize they think of, like, Stanley as, like, DeWalt and Craftsman and, and um, you know, Black & Decker, a lot of these consumer product tools, which are very cool and a large part of the company. But they also have a healthcare division. Uh, they have an electronic security division, which is the second largest electronic security company, um, I think, in the U.S. or globally. Uh, they've got an automotive manufacturing business. They also help manufacture iPhones, for example. Awesome. Um, and they've got industrial infrastructure. So imagine looking across all these businesses and, and trying to apply AI and drive product. It's, it's really sort of incredible. Um, and before that, I was at Lockheed Martin for 10 years. I was in their uh, advanced technology research lab. Um, a lot of people know like Skunk Works. It's sort of like the, the cutting edge kind of crazy lab at Lockheed. And, uh, and, and the Advanced Technology Research Lab is, is like Skunk Works, but uh, where Skunk Works is in the, um, the aero division, um, building crazy planes, uh, the Advanced Technology Research Lab is the corporate you know, version of that. And we, we go across space, we go across um, aero, um, go across missiles and fire control, um, and, and helicopters, rotorcrafts, stuff like that. And so, uh, so in that role, that was also pretty insane because we were working very closely with DARPA, with IARPA, which is basically 
uh, DARPA's Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, and then there's IARPA, which is the same, but for the intelligence community. Um, yes. And so, yeah, so quite a different world. It's like, definitely have been adjusting my vernacular yeah. for the last few years from Very like nice. first contact with the enemy to like, let's see what customers think, you know? So it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, Very it's different, but it's funny because um, there's probably so many parallels. There are probably more parallels than there are differences, which is cool. And you've yeah. been squarely yeah. kind of on the AI side of data science more so than, um, you know, predictive analytics or whatever. It seems like your, your world's been more AI focused. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. It's been very, very AI focused. Um, and, uh, and it's, yeah, in fact, you know, a data science kind of came about, right, while I was doing AI. Ah. Right? Like when I, you know, there, there wasn't data science initially. It was, uh, it, was, it was really AI and math. So, like, yeah, so for how I started, I, I went to uh, undergrad and got a degree in cognitive psychology, cognitive science, or anthropology type background, worked for a little bit, and then um, the dot-com collapse happened. And yeah. I went back to grad school because it was the easiest thing to do. And, um, and so I went back to grad school for artificial intelligence. Um, but you know, when I studied artificial intelligence, like machine learning was not that popular. Um, right. it was primarily, you know, production systems, blackboard systems, cognitive architectures, a lot of Lisp and Prolog, um, you know, any kind of like machine learning, I had to hand code it in C. There were yeah. very little frameworks available. Open source software wasn't really a thing back then. Like, wow. it, like it had started but it wasn't really, you know, the, what it is today. So, um, so it's been, it's been a wild ride because back then my parents, my dad was like, why are you studying this? Like, there's no careers in AI. Like, why don't you study something where you can get a job? And I know we're going to talk about careers in AI, which is why I bring it up because I got started by studying something that my parents were hounding me to drop out of the program because there's no jobs in AI. Right. And, um, and the funny thing was, is they were right. Like I graduated and there were no jobs. It was still AI winter. Um, and that's how I ended up doing doing DOD work because the only jobs in AI across the entire country um, were really like university research jobs or or DOD. Yeah, yeah. No, it's changed now, right? I mean, um, in 1989, <laughs> I changed my major from accounting, something you know, older profession. I'm very steady, that sort of thing, like well known, always hiring into decision sciences. My parents made fun of me relentlessly. Oh, look at the decision <laughs> scientist. You know, what, is, what is decision science? Exactly. And <laughs> now it's like everybody knows what that is. But um, so I yeah. can feel you. So we're talking today about landing a career in the AI field. And so before we get too deep into it, what would you say, um, how would you define, like, what do we mean when we say AI? And it's really interesting that you started AI and sort of went to data science a bit because typically I think we see a different kind of path like data science that grows into AI but how would you define the when we say landing a job in the AI field what is that yeah yeah great question I'd love to answer it uh just a quick thought though I I don't think I went I've gone to data science um I think that different people will see me through the lens that that works for them um but I my internal lens is is still one of AI and not data science um but yeah, so what does it mean to have a career in AI? Um, so there's so many different roles that, that are available now. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, I think, that um, for a lot of people, they, uh, I think the default assumption is to do, a, to do something in data science or AI, you need to have a very strong math background because um, AI is basically math, it's applied math, um, or you need to have a very strong programming background if you're going to be like, a, like an engineering kind of role in that space. Um, and those are, in many ways, the, the, the easiest to get, 
and, and potentially best paying roles. So, so I understand that focus. And if you want to build things, you know, and, and be in the weeds and do engineering, those are other roles to pursue. But I think what I wanted to highlight was that there's a lot of other roles that are there for people who want to be at the front of this, of this moving wave of, of capability and technology, but don't see themselves as software engineers or mathematicians. Um, and so, so maybe I can park all the traditional sort of like engineering and, and, and math type entry points and kind of talk a little bit about other options that are, I think, in many ways going to be more important and, and, and more plentiful than, than the hardcore AI roles. So, so what we're seeing in the industry is, is a shift where, where like a lot of the things that we had to do manually are becoming automated. So like I was saying when I was in grad school, like one of my first assignments was build a framework for neural networks. And we didn't just build a framework because they were being pedantic. We built a framework because there were no frameworks for neural nets, you know, like unless you wanted to use one that somebody wrote in 1980s and see, then you would, you know, you would have to build your own. And so now, you know, you don't do that. You just pull down a package. The other thing that we had to do is we had to hand architect anything we wanted to do with a neural net. Like there weren't just architectures that you can models that you could pull down and use. Um, you know, we had to, we had to hand architect uh, any kind of model we wanted to use. And then we had to train it. Um, definitely no pre-trained models that you could transfer learning didn't exist at the time. Right. So, so all these things that were like jobs, right? Like, like people were getting out of school and having these jobs um, are starting to, to disappear because you don't need somebody to, to architect a neural, a neural network for like a very simple data science task. Like you just know that you're going to get a package and you're going to do that. So these roles are starting to become more elevated. So, so I think to that end, um, people who can understand what's happening with AI, understand like where you apply one technology versus another, and then can try to solve business problems and, and be the voice of the business, I think is a great place to be. Um, like there's, there's research lately that shows that 90% of AI projects fail. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I would assume that the vast majority of those fail for, for non-technical reasons. Um, I've almost never been in a situation where we had to build a model for something and our performance wasn't there. And that's why the pro that's why the program went away. Like that's almost never the case. I mean, when you're doing DARPA work, right. It, sometimes for DARPA work, it happens. Like, like we need you to build an algorithm. that's going to land the, the Mars Rover on, on Mars. Like right. then you have some, some risk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, and that, but like, but generally speaking, I mean, it, it, it's not a technology risk. So I think a lot, a lot of times, you know, if, if you're interested in, in, in thinking about how to solve problems mm-hmm. and you're interested in, in, in create creative solutions and having a vision, then, uh, then you could really, you know, be in an AI role and you can yeah. drive the field forward without really having to build the models or even fully understanding how the models are built. Uh-huh. Um, okay. <laughs> pause, you, pause here for a second. Um, okay. So in talking about what do we mean by the AI field, I think mm-hmm. what you're saying is that includes things that are automation driven or that replace the manual building of, uh, of certain models. Is that... I'm just trying to get the AI, like, how would you define AI before we go into what kind of skills? Because I definitely want to, you were talking about some of the skills like non-technical and problem solving and things like that. But before we get into that too much, help us understand when, when we talk about the AI field, what would that include? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <clears throat> oh, it's broad. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot. So, so there's data science, um, which is really about, 
in my mind, uh, you know, understanding data and, and generating some initial hypotheses, um, applying existing algorithms, okay. um, existing statistics to that data to generate insights. And then I would differentiate people who do that to tell a story about the data mm-hmm. or to make decisions from people who are doing that in a dynamic way to, to drive a customer experience or to, to make decisions on the fly. So then if you're really doing this in a dynamic way, now you've got, you know, uh, something that's a little more complex. Um, I'd still call that data science ish. Okay. Um, so there's people that, think, that build the models, but AI people almost, they're the ones that are responsible for making them mean something or making them apply them. Is that what you're saying or something else? I think that the data science is, is largely about applying models that others have built. Okay. Um, or, or, or tweaking or training models that others have built. Um, in my mind, that's, that's kind of the distinction. Whereas in, if you're going into AI, I think what's different is in AI uh, proper, I would say that you're, you're designing those models. You're, you're creating new architectures. You're, you're, you're building new paradigms that don't exist on the one hand. And that's sort of the, the research side of AI. The oh, other I distinction I would make is like, to me, AI is, is more engineering focused. Um, I see. Like here, here's an example. Like at, when I was at Lockheed, um, we had a robot that competed in the DARPA um, robot challenge. Mm-hmm. The robot had to autonomously get into a vehicle, autonomously grab the wheel, find the pedals, use its own sensors to autonomously drive to a location, get out of the vehicle, pick up tools, and then perform some kind of kind of like turning of, of valves and drilling of holes. And honestly, this challenge was in response to Fukushima. The U.S. realized if we have a Fukushima type event, you know, we need to have robots that can go in there and, and deal with it. Yeah. And so that's not data science to me. That That is AI. Right. And and that's, I think, more of an extreme example of it. But but there's other examples, too. Like um, when I was at Black & Decker, Stanley Black & Decker, we launched a, a in-home personal robot for healthcare. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things it does to you is it, it dispenses your medicines at the right time and it, and it ensures that you're adhering to your to your drug plan. Um, I think that's not AI. That's not data science either in my mind, because you're not really crunching data and trying to generate insights. You're, you're having an active, you know, verbal back and forth dialogue with somebody. You're, you're physically dispensing medicine to them. You're trying to observe them, take that medicine. And and just that whole loop, it becomes very much of like an engineering system where it feels like there's intelligence in the loop. I see. Um, okay. So, so that's my distinction, but I, I know it. it's, a, it's a semantics thing. No, it's, it's, a lot a big, of people it's a big deal. A not agree. Right. No, it's a big deal. Um, and there's, there's different perspectives and you might have a different perspective today than you have in like three months or something, depending on how it is evolving. Go. But yeah, for, for sure. sure. Okay. That's helpful. And then, um, so the next part is around um, the expectations for professionals. And one of the things I love that you said already is um, about uh, problem solving. So tell us like, if you wanted to land a career in the AI field, what are some of the expectations of hard and soft skills? Like what, what is it, what is, what makes someone sort of stand out and uh, be successful in AI? Yeah. Well, so that's going to vary by roles, right? So, uh, so if your, if your role is to, uh, to build models um, and to design new architectures and stuff like that, then it's, it's really going to be, you know, um, intuition and, and experimentation and um, in, 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 in some ways being productive. It sounds funny, but like there's these highly productive people that, that quickly make the first 10 errors and then get on track. Um, and, and I know that I can turn to those people for, for solution. And then there's, there's people who may be as smart and as skilled and as creative, but it's going to take them longer to, to get past 
those hurdles and they may even kind of stop at the ninth hurdle and say they don't think it's doable, right? Like like some of the things, one of the phrases that I, I, I love to think about is like for some of the more interesting stuff I've done in my career, um, people told me it's not possible. And, and to me, that's always funny, right? Like hearing it's not possible and then doing it is always kind of a fun place to be for your, for your own, your own ego. <laughs> um, and so I think, I think that, that tenaciousness and that productivity is important, uh, especially if you're building models, um, on the, on the problem solving, problem solving side for business. I think that what I see happening a lot is, um, businesses, um, provide sort of ill-defined requirements, um, or they don't even know to ask the questions. Uh, this is honestly, that's the biggest one. I would take ill-defined requirements over not knowing what questions to ask. Um, so, I mean, a lot of what I've done in the past is I'll go into the strategic planning sessions with the, like the C-suite of a business and, and really elevate their thinking around what's possible. Um, so poking holes in, in their existing process. Like, is it, why, why are you doing it this way? Is that assumption really valid? Oh, it's based on, on the fact that you think you need to do X, but have you considered that you don't need to do X? You know, I, I think really challenging people to, to think about what's possible. And, and, and part of that is education, like educating people around what AI can do today, what it can't do today, what it can do in three years and five years. Um, there's also, um, there's also problem solving in, in the sense that, um, you know, what do you define as success? Okay. Right. Like I think, um, a lot of dysfunction in, in the business world comes from having these proxies for success. You know, yeah. like you define a, a, a metric, right? And if we can nail this metric, then we, we, we're going to kill it on the business side. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, there's a Dilbert cartoon, which I love. It's like, uh, it's like this call center guy and he picks up the phone and he's like, shut up. And then he hangs up <laughs> and then he picks it up again. And he's like, um, you know, my call center time is improving. And, um, and it's basically like, you know, the guy's like basically just telling people like shut up and reboot all day. Yeah. And he's, he's maximizing his metric of success. Ah, and, uh, but he's not actually solving the problem. He's not actually solving your problems. And, and there's another story about uh, Tesla's doing this too. So uh, Kaparthi, Andre Kaparthi, who leads um, the autopilot effort at Tesla, uh, he was saying that, um, you know, so they're, they're training these multi-head models um, where they have a single gigantic model that's sort of learning context about the world. And then they, they have different heads on those models. So it'd be like, is this a stop sign, you know? Um, where the edges of the road and, and all these heads sort of have some, some customized ends and, um, you know, algorithms in there or, or like, um, like uh, weights. And so each head is run by a different team and then there's the, the overall model team. And so he has as a, co- a competition, like each team needs to, to have a certain performance level and, and outperform the other teams. And so what happens is you have this loss function across all the heads for the single model um, and you're saying that, that the, the teams realized that they could just like put a coefficient in front of their, their loss function and they could just be like times 10. And now when you're training this overall model, their one head gets like 10 times the weight of any others. And then other teams caught onto that. So they put plus like times a hundred. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, he, he was like, it's really crazy because you're, you're dealing with like world-class AI researchers solving like one of the toughest problems in the world. And they're, they're like kids trying to like out, yeah. out cheat each other on yeah. the metric of success, which the metric of success is, is the holistic performance. So Anyway, I, sorry. Is that, is that, no, on. is that a, is that a good? Uh, it makes you wonder because um, there's a bit of a competitive edge. So some of the things that I had written down that um, that make for a good AI professional are things like again, I'm sort of reading between the lines. So tell me what we need to adjust. But the creativity, kind of that curiosity, like to you know want to try this and want to try that. You also have to have some level of intuition. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think, you, I don't know how to characterize this, but you, you sort of have to believe. You have to be a little bit of a dreamer. Like some people are going to say that's impossible because a lot of this is new ground. So you mm-hmm. have to be someone that kind of believes. Um, you got to be able to sort of fail fast and learn, you know, like fail fast, learn, move forward. Um, you got to be a problem solver, critical thinking. Uh, you have to be able to recognize that you're, you're required to be an educator and an advocate for AI. You can't just like apply it and think that people are just going to absorb it. You got to, that's part of the task. Mm -hmm. Does that capture some of the top attributes and characteristics of, um, of an awesome AI professional? Yeah, you did an awesome job. I wish, I wish we, I wish I could have like said it that way. Um, that (laughs) that was really clear. Um, and I, I would also add, uh, there's another piece here too, which is, um, you know, as, as AI is becoming more prevalent in our world, um, there's a, a big role for um, what I would call like like the social side of AI, mm-hmm. uh, and that can be an AI ethicist. Mm-hmm. It could be a a uh, community community leader or like somebody who's responsible in the community for what you're doing. Um, it could also be uh, the legal team. Although I you know I would draw the distinction between ethics and and doing what's right and law. They're not they're not one to ones. But um, right. so I think that's a really important role. And I think in the next few years we're going to see. Um, many companies have, have, you know, ethics officers or, or, or directors of ethics or, or even like analysts that are focused on that component. Like, yep. you know, bring, bringing in members of the community that are going to be affected by a certain technology early on and, and running those sessions. Um, so I think if you go into something like even like social work or, or, or psychology or anthropology or ethnography, I think there's going to be a, a big role for, mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Um, I know companies are in, talking in about developing like ethics boards and ethic committees and they're not even sure like do we who do we even invite because it's not all data science people you know because i think um when you were talking about like the sort of almost competing like children like to get the better who's got the best r square mm-hmm. kind of thing except on mm-hmm. an AI side uh I, that's a real thing and sometimes i i suspect that we kind of lose sight of the fact that there's an ethical component to this you know so that's uh, probably going to become I would imagine um, more and more important as we look at these uh, these type of roles. So that's a good point. So um, we're about out of time, but one last question we have for you, I'm sure people would want to know, is what one final piece of advice would you give to someone who's trying to land a career in the AI field? I know that's a tough one. I give, uh, <laughs> can I make it more than one, but keep it keep it compressed? Sure. All right. Um, okay. So obviously lots of roles we talked about here. Uh, but I would say, um, be passionate, um, be informed, um, have evidence of the work that you've done. I think if you, if you want to get a job, make sure you've done something that you can show. Uh, if you, even if you've done something small, if you're knowledgeable and passionate about it, that can, that talk can take the entire, entire interview. Um, and so it can be contributing to a, a GitHub project, posting something up in, a Reddit forum, like there's a data is beautiful forum on Reddit. You could post something there. Um, it could be a, a nonprofit. It could even be like your own project, but, but have something that you can talk about that you've done, especially if it's your first job. Right. Um, and it's awesome. almost, a like, a, almost one, like a, a toy, like, Hey, here's this thing. You, wanna, you know, when you show it off. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had, I had a, I had a guy who I, I, I had a guy interviewed two weeks ago and um, he had built something and he had a million users on this platform. Wow. There was, <clears throat> There was no revenue, and and what he had built was extremely simple. So, from an engineering perspective, it's not impressive, and from a financial perspective, it's not impressive. But, but I spent most of my time talking to him about that because he could talk at depth about it. So, if you have stuff on your resume, 
be able to talk coherently about it because I find that like most people that I talk to, I'll pick a project on their resume, one that they've maybe highlighted as their main effort. And I'll, I'll just say, tell me about this problem. You know, why, why did you take it on? What were you trying to solve? What were the challenges? How did you solve those challenges? You know, and, and I find that a lot of people can't get past that point. Wow. So, so, being so if you're going to, if you're going to have really, it on there, you better be able to talk about it at depth in depth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe that's geared towards people who are newer in their career. Right, right. Um, no, that's good advice. Good advice. Awesome. Well, thanks again to Jason Schlachter for talking to us about landing a career in the AI field. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Beverly. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education. I'm Dr. Beverly Wright. Have a great data set.